Hi, I'm Ben Lowell, and welcome to Truth in Life today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here. Yeah, today. it's great to be. You know, we have a great opportunity to uh, uh, join with a, a good friend of ours for today, Isaac Dagno of In Doubt Ministries, and he's going to be talking particularly and specifically about how young adults connect with church, and uh, and we're looking forward to that. But but today. You're going to talk about church in general and the importance to each of us uh, to be part of that church congregation. Yeah. Let's go to the Word. Yeah, so the, the Bible actually has a lot to say about the church. And uh, I want to start, however, by quoting from an older book. Now it was written in the year 2000. It was called Bowling Alone, and it was written by a man named Robert Putnam. And uh, Robert Putnam noted that although the number of people who bowl has increased in the last 20 years, the amount of people involved in bowling leagues has gone down. People are bowling alone more than ever before. And then he also noticed that there are all sorts of different organizations that people are not a part of, and he lists them. Labor unions, parent-teacher associations, Federation of Women's Clubs, League of Women's Voters, military veterans organizations, volunteers for Boy Scouts, Red Cross, fraternal organizations like the Lions Club and the Rotary and Kiwanis. All of those, attendance is down and also getting increasingly older. Well, what does all of that say? It's saying that a lot of North Americans are becoming increasingly individualistic, and yet the Christian faith is not an individualistic faith. So let me talk about that for a bit. You know, some time ago, I remember having a conversation with someone who said, you know what, I, I, I love the Christian faith and I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. And, and here's what I said. I said, well, then nothing in the Bible is for you. And here's why. Have you noticed that all of the books in the New Testament are written to a local church? There's the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, whatever book that you find, they're written not to an individual, but to a local congregation. Even 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy and Titus, well, what are they written to? They're written to pastors who are giving leadership to a local congregation, and it's a lot of wisdom in terms of how to effectively minister to a congregation. Even the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus are written to a local congregation so that the church as a whole might come to believe. So what am I saying? I'm simply saying that if you're not a part of a church, really, there's nothing in the Bible that's directed towards an individual. It's directed to the community of God's people. A couple of passages of Scripture I think are really significant here. I'm taking you, first of all, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. So listen to what Paul says. He says to Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you might know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And watch this, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, I don't know whether that surprises you because it might, you might think it should be written the other way around. That is, the, the truth is a pillar of the church, but it says that, the, that it, the, the, the church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Here's, I think, what the image looks like. In the ancient city of Ephesus, remember this is written by Paul uh, to Timothy who's ministering in Ephesus, 
Uh, in the ancient city of Ephesus, the, the city was in fact filled with temples. And each one of these temples had, and you can almost imagine them, these magnificent columns that held the roof in place. So as you went to Ephesus, you looked at the roof line of some of the greatest temples of the world. And those temples were proclaiming the greatness of their deities. So the, the pillars were holding up the roof, which was this proclamation of the God that they worshiped. Now, Paul turns that upside down. You know, the church itself is not founded on temples made of stone, but on temples made of human lives. Um, and these human lives are serving together, corporately, the church, is a pillar that holds up this magnificent roof line. And what's the roof line? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. In other words, the church has been called upon to hold high the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you think about it, there's nothing else in our society that holds up the truth about God. Government doesn't. Our educational system doesn't. They haven't been designed to do that. Our newspapers and media, they don't. There had no, nothing is designed to present the truth except this one thing, the church of Jesus Christ. It is the proclaimer of the truth. That's the significance and importance of the church. Take away the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ goes away. That's what Paul is in fact saying. One other passage I wanna take you to, and that's found uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter three, verses seven to 10. Paul writes, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So here's the mystery. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Look, all of that's a mouthful, but a couple of things are significant. There is something that God had waited for to be revealed in the time in which Jesus came. Jesus came to build a church and the church ended up being the revelation of the mystery of God. All of that to say, there's something mysterious and wonderful about the church. I, look, I'm not naive. I know that the church has done a lot of things wrong. I know that the church has unfortunately alienated people it should not have alienated. I know that sometimes the church holds to traditions that are archaic and are not found in scripture. There are sins the church has committed which it still needs to repent of. All of those things are true. But still, the church is the community of God's people. Still, God has vested a mystery into the local church that is quite profound. The mystery of the ages is being revealed in this formation of God's people who have been called upon to commit themselves to Christ and to each other, and then corporately to live out the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what Christianity is. We're not an individualistic faith that simply tells people, you know, how to have a fulfilled life. We're a corporate faith that talks about how to love brother and sister, how to work out the principles of Jesus in our daily lives in relationship to others. We fail, sometimes we sin against each other, but still we are the body of Jesus Christ. The church will never go away. 
because Christ has invested his authority in it. The church still is plan A in God's plan of redemption. Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld and our guest, Isaac Dagnall. Yeah. Now, we spend a lot of time with you, Isaac. I know. Uh, you are part <laughs> of the Back of the Bible ministry, and you oversee a ministry called In Doubt, which is focused on ministry to young adults. You have an incredible podcast and radio program, and you offer all types of different resources through indoubt.ca. Uh, but we're excited to have you here today because I, I think it's important to talk about young adults and their affinity with the church. What's going on? What are they thinking about the church? What's attracting them to the church? And what's, what's pushing them outside of the church? Give us a sense of what you think. Yeah, well, just very briefly, here's a sort of a snapshot of faith in Canada and in very general terms, because obviously I don't know what every single young adult believes in Canada. But uh, a recent uh, sort of um, poll done by the Angus Reid Institute uh, showed, this is very interesting, that about 20% of young adults in Canada are public about their faith, whether it's Christianity, or Islam, Sikhism, they're public about it, they're unafraid. You have about 30% that are private, so they have a belief, but they don't really want to make it known. You have another 30% who are skeptical and they're like, I can believe maybe they're agnostics. You have 20% who are confident in their atheism. So what's really cool to see though is you have 80% of the young adults in Canada, very broad, who are not opposed to the spiritual, to the supernatural. But another thing has sort of uh, infiltrated the church as well, and not just the church, sorry, in just general terms, uh, culture, and young adults are definitely influenced as well as other demographics, is that confusion and uncertainty has kind of become a, a virtue. And in university campuses, you go there and you say, I'm, I'm unsure about sexuality, about God, all that kind of stuff. You're kind of seen as mature in your thinking. Whereas sometimes certainty and clarity about some of those issues, if I walked into a university campus and said, you know, God has made man, both male and female, in the image of God, I would be seen as kind of closed-minded. So, and you see that most of the time in secular universities and things like that. So you sort of have these two things. You have a lot of people that are very open to the spiritual, but then you also have this sort of idea that, you know, to be certain about something is kind of seen as a little bit wrong. But I think what we're seeing uh, when it comes to young adults who are public about their faith, about their Christian faith, and we've been talking about this a little bit earlier, was that that kind of remnant are unafraid and they are going into their to their secular universities and their churches with this sort of badge of honor to say I believe I do believe in the inerrancy of scripture I do believe in that God made man both male and female and so on and so forth so you sort of see this massive kind of uh, majority that are not opposed to the spiritual but clarity is a little bit hard but you do have a small remnant that I would say yes we we want clarity hmm. So, so what does that look like in the church, like uh, their response to the church? I, you know, the, the church itself, I think, needs to present the, exactly the clarity that you're talking about. Uh, by the way, if I can just backtrack for just a moment, Ben, and, and talk about this last point that you just made. I would not be at all concerned with the, you know, with this uncertainty that's out there mm. because our task is to win them, convince right. them. Yeah. I mean, that's what evangelism is. Exactly. We can't ever expect that evangelism is going to be simply pandering to what already the general culture assumes to be true. We know that's not the case. The Christian faith 
has always swam against the stream. So I think the fact that the majority are open to spiritual reality mm -hmm. is the greatest opportunity that we've Absolutely. seen in a long time in this country. And I would just encourage believers to be certain. So getting back to your question about what are they looking for in the church, yeah. they're looking for clarity, they're looking for doctrinal content, they're looking for a truth quotient, they wanna know what it is that the Bible actually teaches. So yeah. I think they're interested in hardcore Christianity yeah. as opposed to you know the seeker sensitive, how can we pander yeah. to your needs? Yeah. I think there's a generational shift, it's the most encouraging one I've seen in a long so, time. So would it be true to say that, I think anyways, our, our general perspective of maybe the boomers or whatever the case might be is that they're disinterested or that they're even hostile to the church, but that's not what I'm hearing from you guys. Not necessarily. I think sometimes if a church is really trying to put on a very seeker-sensitive ethos, then young adults can read that in a second. Now, I would want to say something about this. Uh, you think of uh, some big leaders, someone like Mark Driscoll or whoever, they had this countercultural big man sort of thing, and young adults f fled to that, and they loved that. But I think we have to be careful when you're talking about, you know, being countercultural and the truth and the clarity of scripture, we, that's the most important thing. I think sometimes uh, false truth can be disguised in this sort of countercultural movement, and I think young adults can, they, there's something in adolescence and young adults that want something that's different. They want to, they, they want that difference, but sometimes false teaching can be kind of, um, you know, in wolves and sheep's clothing in those kind of movements. Okay. So, whereas I think young adults can be, you know, they see the disguise of the seeker sensitive, you know, if a church doesn't want to talk about Jesus, blood, the lamb, the sacrifice, I mean, they just want to be programs, then they're not going to want that. They want something that actually has the truth of those things said in a countercultural straight and, way. And if I could just kind of just jump into that yeah. thought, that tells me over and over again why it is that liberal Christianity, with its denial of central Christian tenets, is in effect dead. Mm -hmm. um, it is simply a phenomenon of a generation that's passing away. It's had no ability to impact and penetrate into a secular community because it has no answers to give. Um, so I think, uh, again, we're back to this whole thing. Let's get back to being authentically Christian. Yeah. Let's get back to the Christian gospel. Let's express our confidence in a verse-by-verse -verse presentation of Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, however, you know, the strongman approach is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Let's be careful about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, just because there might be a need for that, doesn't mean that we ought to pander to that because in the end, scripture tells us what Christian leaders ought to be like. Yes. They're called upon to lead as Jesus led, not as the strong man that yes. we might find. Right? Yeah, yeah. So in summary, just in our conversation so far, it's interesting to hear you guys both say, I think, that the real distinguishing thing that draws young people uh, to a church is the quality of their Bible teaching. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ab yeah. Definitely. You know what? I think for many, it might be shocking to hear that because I think we have, we have maybe erred on the side of how do we entertain or how do we do things that are going to attract or whatever the case might be or, or even worship. But the priority really needs to be the Word of God. Well, we'll be back in just a minute to talk more about that right here on Truth and Life Today.
Welcome back to Truth and Light today with Dr. John Newfeld and Isaac Dagno from InDoubt. And Isaac, I want to mention right off the top that you actually write an article in the June uh, Truth and Life uh, magazine uh, that uh, that folks can uh, subscribe to about this type of thing about yes. how uh, young adults are looking at the church and their own spirituality and those types of things. So I'd encourage people to check that out at uh, indout.ca as well. Um, let's let's move on though. What's what's attracting people, young people, to the church? What are the things that they're looking for? Right. Well, I think we kind of mentioned a little bit of it in the in the previous one, but something I would say is that uh, you know we've talked about the idea that they can see through this sort of seeker sensitive just just only community and love based community group they can see through that and they really do want uh, truth that will change them and this is one of the things that I talk about in the actually the article is that in order to reach young adults today um, there, there's this idea that we shouldn't just be talking our belief, but we should really be living it. Uh, young adults want to see truth that actually transforms. So I'm, I'm reading a book right now by Abdu Murray, who's a Christian apologist with Rabbi Zacharias Ministries, and he was a he was a, a Muslim lawyer who considered all the different voices, worldviews of the world, and he found that Jesus' voice is the truest one. Yeah. And now he's a Christian apologist, and that transformation speaks loudly to young adults, especially when a Muslim lawyer becomes a Christian. <laughs> Apologize, like how does that work out? So I think they're attracted to a church that can show and prove this truth that we're preaching boldly and seriously and clarifyingly in a sense is actually changing this community. On the other hand, there are other churches that are attracting young adults because of this, um, uh, of, of how well they can do community, and it's not so much based on the truth. So there's lots of young adult groups that bring in lots of people because of how well the programs are and all these different things, not because they're saying we are a young adult group, so come to us, but just how well it looks aesthetically and all these different things. Young adults can be swept up in that as well, but anyways. So in essence, they're just people, They're just people, right? They're just people, They're drawn to the crowd. Yes, right? they're, they're drawn, drawn to, the crowd. to Absolutely. community. Uh, they're drawn to fellowship and friendship and all those types of things. But I get the sense, though, that perhaps a young person who would be attracted to that ultimately will discover what the foundation of that, that group is. Would that be true? Or? Well, provided it has one, right? Yeah. Right, that's true. <laughs> um, but I think part of what you're saying, Isaac, is that, I mean, I think there's a decline in the interest in institutions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we just have to come to terms with that. But when you're talking about this incline in the interest of the person of Jesus, mm -hmm. the gospel that he preached, I mean, all that kind of stuff, well, that's exciting to me. I mean, in the end, I think we're going to have to introduce uh, the next generation to the necessity of the church. Yeah. So, you know, you can't just come because, you know, something's exciting, but we actually are committed to a community of Jesus. Mm. And that's what you were talking about. You know, community for community's sake, not yeah. so much. Uh, community for the sake of Christ and the kind of community that he creates yeah. and the calling that we have. That's a huge thing, and I don't think we're there by a long shot, but I think that's the challenge. Yeah, and I think I think we're slowly getting there, but I, I, I think the next step now would be for young adults to realize, and I think they are realizing, that every institution will make mistakes. And you know, uh, a lot of my generation have witnessed some, uh, I would say, Gen uh, Xers, who once grew up in fundamentalist homes, um, have now rejected that fundamentalist faith and have rejected the institution and have kind of spoken badly about the church. I think of some people like Rob Bell or Brian McLaren or Jen Hatmaker, these different people that have said no. And I think a lot of my generation who are seriously considering the truth will look at that and say, they're throwing out 
too much, the throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There's something pure in within the church family that I think, as you say, we need to be teaching the, the, how the church works and the beauty of how the church um, can really be. And one more thing I would add about this is that something else about young adults today in our culture would be there is this uh, sort of uh, mature thinking when it comes to confusion or uncertainty. And I would say this, and I don't know, I would like to get your thoughts on this, is that there is a lot of mystery, awe, and wonder within Christianity that I think pastors and young adult pastors would do well to not overemphasize, but emphasize that. I think there's importance there because I think young adults, when they see a pastor saying, there's mystery in the word of God, there's mystery in the Trinity. We can be clear about the three centers of consciousness in the one Godhead, but there is immense mystery and wonder there. Young adults want wonder. They want mystery, they want creativity, they want beauty. And I think if pastors can really emphasize that within the clarity of Christianity, there is an overwhelming amount of wonder I think that will attract many young adults. Let me also add to that that it's, when you talk about mystery, we want to make sure that we're emphasizing the mystery of the truth of, of the revelation of Christ. Yes. But I think also in the way in which we, we, we function as a church community, um, continually stressing the ordinances or the sacraments, depending on where you're at, but the Lord's table mm -hmm. and the mystery that's involved in the Lord's table yeah. and the invitation into the mystery so that there are indeed things that we do which we invite participation come yeah. and deeply drink of the, the blood of Christ, eat of his body and recognize that there is a demonstration of grace here which we're invited into. I think that is hugely attractive to the oh, next generation. Of course, because it's so mysterious. It's so weird, you know? I just mean, John 10, I mean, come eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's weird, but I think there's an attraction there because they want to know what is this about? And if yeah. a church says to attract people, we need to, that's weird, we shouldn't say that. I mean, sure, you're not going to have some people for a season, but then it's going to, they're going to find out that it's nothing really. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. You know, Isaac, I'd like in just the last couple of minutes, maybe you to talk a little bit about In Doubt. Yeah. And a little bit about what your passion for In Doubt and, mm -hmm. and what it does and what you strive to do through it, because I think it's somewhat linked to our conversation today. Yeah. So give us a sense of what In Doubt's about. Yeah, well, I, the easiest way that I say is that In Doubt uh, strives and hopes to bring the gospel. And when I say that, I mean, obviously, the one true gospel, but also the principles within the gospel to the many relevant issues of life. So dating, relationships, marijuana, pornography, everything that young adults kind of go through and faith. So theology, what the gospel is, um, you know, different hard theological subjects, maybe about the violence in the Old Testament, different things like that. We want to bring all of that, what young adults might bump into and bring the gospel clarity to those things to really help cultivate conversation. We want people to be talking about these things. So every single week we have a fresh conversation with a Christian leader uh, who's an expert in whatever the topic we're discussing. And we really want to ask those hard questions about how does the gospel apply to this? So, you know, just, just yesterday I was talking to a, a Christian apologist about the post-truth culture that we're in. You know, a week before that I was talking uh, to a pastor about transgenderism and different things like that. So we want to tackle these tough issues with gospel clarity to help help young adults understand. Well, thanks, Isaac. Thanks for being with us and John. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. More with Dr. Neufeld uh, right here at Truth and Life Today.
welcome back to Truth and Life today with Dr. John Newfeld. Uh, John, it's always exciting to sit down and chat with Isaac. He, yeah, Isaac's a great guy. You know, he has a wonderful perspective on the word, but also a, a, a wonderful grasp, I think, of, of young adults and what's going on in their in their spiritual journeys. Uh, but it's a tough one. It's a difficult one. I think particularly for pastors and leaders of churches to decide what should we do? How should we engage young adults? Because there's those things we, we tend to go towards, you know, the, the exciting worship or entertaining or yeah. whatever the case might be. But what would your suggestions be? Well, I, you know, I'd like to give an example. You know, for, for years, Tim Keller preached in New York. It's a very young congregation. Tim was an older man. Um, the worship was very traditional, very traditional. And the place was just jammed with young students. Mm -hmm. And it's because he concentrated on scripture, um, expositional preaching, a clarion call to the truth. Um, that just grabs a hold of people. And why should we be surprised? I mean, after all, we know yeah. that the gospel in itself is what attracts people. So yeah. let's be proud of the gospel. Let's be proud of yeah. our Bible. So it's not about the traditional worship that they do. I don't but think it's so. what they offer, the, the very fabric of that church yeah. is expositional teaching. If somebody knows how to teach truth well, and they're gifted at it, young people will flock to it. Well, thanks so much, John, and, and thanks for the opportunity to have that conversation with Isaac. And uh, we really do want to encourage you, if you are a young adult or know someone who is a young adult and they're having a journey of faith, go to indoubt.ca. There'll be so much there for you to absorb and to learn about Jesus. And remember to join us next week right here on Truth and Life Today. <laughs>